Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Successful Mentalist podcast. The podcast designed to teach you the tips, the tricks, the methods and the strategies to improving your performances and growing your entertainment business. Uh, I'm Aidan O'Sullivan and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Ashley Green. Hello. As always, I'm going to ask again, how are you doing this week? Uh, this week is uh, amazing uh, for oh, many reasons, but one of the many reasons is that today's interview is incredible. Who are we interviewing, Ashley? Oh, I was going to say Las Vegas legend for a second, but to be honest, anywhere in the world, he's a legend. He's traveled around with his own tour he's traveled around with the illusionist he's had television appearances multiple various different things if you don't know him you live under a rock it's none other than dan sperry honestly this is so good so many useful insights from dan i mean dan was one of the 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 as i was getting into magic he was one of the first performers that i actually saw and came across so he's a huge inspiration and i've been following him for years um well not literally but following his work for years and uh it was just an uh, absolute honor to to be able to sit and pick his brains i know i personally got so much gold from the the chat we had so you know if anyone's got a notepad and pen it's worth getting that ready now i mean i, I remember when i was about 15 years old and i was sat in front of the telly at christmas time and we was watching in here we're in him there and um, now we've had the pleasure of actually interviewing the guy Wait, ashley can you can you hear that Oh yeah. I think there's a I think that must be Dan Sperry. None other than the shock illusionist himself, Mr. Dan Sperry. Hey Dan. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. Thanks. Thanks for having me uh, on. And, uh, and and on I get, well, you said this is the first one that you're doing. I don't know what order you're going to release these in, but if this is uh, if this is going to be the first one, then, you know, thanks for having me on and uh, and, you know, letting me pop your cherry with this. So. <laughs> your, no, digit, your digit cherry. Yeah, it's certainly been an interesting one with tech on Aiden's end. So, um, but uh, but no, it's ah, oh, I'm so looking forward to it. We've got so much that we wanted to talk about because, like Aiden was saying, our um, our viewers were, you know, had some certain questions and that about stage stuff, like we said, mm -hmm. and we thought obviously you're the best person to answer those questions, really. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I make no promises, but we'll see. <laughs> So one of the things which comes up quite a lot is obviously character and being unique with a lot of people because there's a lot of magicians out there which are basically copycats and especially in mentalism when you look at Darren Brown, that they're all yeah. trying to copy him. So have you got any advice that you can give people in regards to character, unique and stuff from your own perspective as well, what you try and work on? Um, well, really, I mean, I think number one, first and foremost, you have to be yourself because when I started out, you know, I was... I, I was uh, uh, performing in a way that I thought it was the way I had to perform because of uh, almost like unwritten rules. Like I, you know, what, what is, what is most common I, I thought was what also was what was expected of, of performers and, and magicians or whatever, you know, as far as look and style and such. So I would change how I looked on stage and acted different on stage to who I was actually off stage. And even up to a few years ago, I was consciously doing this, uh, even just in, term, in terms of, um, you know, how, how I speak and, and, and stuff, because uh, uh, I, like, because of, of uh, probably just like in UK and anywhere in any country, there's, there's accents from different regions, you know, 
and and I'm from a region up north that's that usually gets mocked, you know, like in the movie Fargo, like oh yeah, you betcha, and stuff like that. <laughs> so uh, so I really up, up until probably five years ago or so, even was changing how I spoke because I thought that would make me sound like a, a goofball or whatever, and would conflict with the image, for lack of a better way of putting it. And then that was kind of the last thing that I held on to, and just kind of said, "Fuck it," you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let it go. I'm just going to let it all, all, all go and, and, and whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's really just about being, uh, being yourself. And I think, you know, you mentioned like, especially mentalism, um, uh, guys copying like Darren Brown, he's in a way sort of become like the Blaine or Copperfield for mentalists where, uh, where I think he's obviously inspiring people that are probably just starting out. So a direct copy, Obviously, that's never a good thing. Um, uh, a source of inspiration and influence, I think, is okay to you know to a certain level when you're starting out. You know, even it's not even something to do with age. I think if you're you know if you're just getting into magic at you know 20 years old, let's say, and seeing Darren Brown or maybe you've seen Dynamo or whatever, you know, since I'm assuming most of the people that listen are going to be from the UK, so I'll try and use those references as best I can. To make it relatable but um but i think that's fine in you know in the beginning to have influence by him but one of the one of the most important goals i think that people should have on top of just trying to educate themselves on the art is just sort of these unwritten rules of the art as well and one of them would be like i was saying like you can take inspiration but that would be i think one of the first things on the goal sheet that you should try to get over. Rudy Kobe has a great thing in his lecture notes where he talks about like, you know what, just take old bits like linking rings or color changing handkerchief or silken egg or whatever, you know, and just just do those and 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 find your voice doing it, you know, and it'll come natural if it's just you, you know. How, you know, how, how would you, you know, perform that? And in the beginning, of course it's going to be probably pretty standard. And as long as you accept that and realize that and just get out there and, and keep performing it, it'll, it will find its way, really, you know, it, it, by listening to your audience. Because also maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing Silk and Egg, you know, maybe maybe as long as, you know, if you keep listening to your audience, maybe, you know, whether they actually tell you that trick was awful, you know, or whatever, or just by listening to the response, that will that will tell you either, you know, OK, it needs to be tweaked some more. Or it, you just got to scrap it, you know, and, and you got to learn to kill your babies is, uh, is a phrase that, uh, that I remember learning at, uh, in, in art. Uh, I went to art university, and that's something that they taught us in creating, you know, these things, especially for, you know, clients or whatever. You, you know, you design something and create something that you think they want and like, but they might come back and just say, oh, that, that's not what I want. That's awful. And you can't, you can't hold on to it and, and, and stick to it. So even you could put all the time in the world into coins and cylinder and and if it's just not clicking you gotta let it go you know you gotta kill your babies you know play with it at home in front of the tv in your living room or your front room as you guys call it or whatever but like you know and just leave it there you know yeah i mean i think that's I mean, that's valid valid argument do you ever find that not only do like people are looking into to your work and, and perhaps from a character perspective and find that maybe the material just follows they end up copying your your material have you had any situations where there's been people like ripping off your act if you like oh yeah oh yeah all the time all the time and, <laughs> and the and the worst part is it's when people that that should know better because uh i mean i don't know how it is over there but at least in the states there's uh there's several uh, I guess we would say uh, known repeat offenders that that continue to do this. I mean, I'm, I've even had, and I can't speak for other people in the industry, but and I'm sure this happened to them, but I've even had people right down to stealing quotes and just changing them just a little bit, you know, but it's wow. like, okay, like obviously I can put one quote here, you know, uh, like I have a legit quote from broadway.com, let's say, and this person over here has an, almost exact duplicate quote and claiming it's from people magazine and first of all it's like dude you're doing the college market you're not in people magazine you loser you know like who are you kidding you're only kidding yourself and that's doing harm that's going to do more harm to you you know 
but I've, I've had even that. I've had even um, graphics lifted off of my website of, you know, because, because you know, because stuff that I've designed, because I, I design all my own stuff. So it's like, dude, you can't tell me that that's a stock graphic because I made that. Like, I know where I got that from. So I've even had it down to that. But and, and all the way up to, you know, um, you know, uh, full full routines, lines that like aren't stock lines, because I know because I wrote them and I know where they came from. And I know that I created them and and, and came upon them through my experiences and and my work and just sort of the the market that i've been in and knowing that dude you're not even close to this market and again it comes down to that you know example i used about the magazine quote we're not talking like uh you know an amazing magician quote unquote it's like specific stuff to where the the probability of two people reporting and saying that and those words and using those specific you know uh references the likelihood of them both saying the same is so small. It's so small. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's like, you know, can you win the lottery twice in one lifetime? Yeah, you could, but technically no, you know, and, and you're really doing more harm, you know, to yourself in the end. I mean, I've toured and worked with guys even like on when I used to work in that triangle show uh, that uh, there were guys who would lift lines from other magicians and even other guys in the same show that I was in with them, and they only hear the reaction without really fully understanding why those lines work in that moment for that performer. But they just hear the audience's reaction without even really understanding why the line works, why the joke is there, and they just throw it in their act, and it might still get a laugh, but it doesn't, it doesn't work for them the same way it works for the other guy. You know, and, and yes, to a degree, some of them would be, I guess, quote unquote stock. And there's certainly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you can use them appropriately. But, you, you know, you don't want, uh, and, and I'm just using lines as an example because I feel it's an easy thing to, to reference yeah. in, in this example. But it's, 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 it's not like, you know, it's not like it's something that the audience is going to necessarily remember. Like, are they going to remember that you know nine months two years down the road when they see another magic show and the guy says the oh hold out your hand no the clean hand oh that was the clean hand are they going to remember that probably not so you know so in that case those stock lines in the right situation can work but why would you even want to do that why not if you're spending so much time trying to work on material for performing the magic why not spend just as much time on your costume your music choices, your, your, your script, if you have one, you know, or the lines that you want to use. You know, I even years ago, uh, I set a goal to that nothing that I say, any joke, any whatever, you cannot hear it anywhere else. Anything that I say will only came from me and my experiences and, and I'm going to strive to, to have it. So I'm not going to fall back on on the easy, uh, and sometimes it's it's inadvertent. Sometimes it just happens. It comes out of your mouth because maybe you said these jokes back when you were first starting out a lot, and you know every once in a while it'll slip. But I really, uh, but I, I think I've uh, I think I've gone a couple of years without uh, without uh, without getting any uh, you know smudges on my record. But um, but I you know but I think all of that is important because all of that makes up the the pie. All that makes up everything that is going to elevate you to another level. Buying the latest download or the latest illusion or whatever isn't going to, you know, it's not a race to who can get to that stuff first and get it out there, or at least in my opinion, it shouldn't be. It should be more about picking, you know, will this work for me in, in a real in, in, in a real situation and in, in the real grand scheme of things? Will this work for me and how can I make it work for me? And, and to keep, you know, keep building, you know, together. Hope that makes sense. I think I got off on a bit of a tangent, but that happens, you know. No, it's perfect. And to be honest, that's probably why you've been so successful because you're being unique and you're being different. And it's so easy for people, obviously, to just copy others. But being unique is obviously the harder thing to do. But it's it's obviously paid off in what you're doing because you've literally gone around the world with shows, which is incredible. Uh, well, yeah, but at this, I mean, yes, and thank you. But at the same time, I know I've lost 
uh, a lot of uh, gigs because of it. And, and, and also because of it, um, I've also been victim to, you know, dirty rumors and stuff just because of, you know, the way I look like, you know, I've been accused of everything from shooting heroin in, in my dressing room to, uh, to, and not that there's anything wrong with this, you know, well, maybe heroin. Yes. But I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm just saying that came off wrong. Let me finish. Um, like, you know, everything from like shooting heroin to, um, to trolling gay bars, you know, to whatever, you know, all of this stuff to, to being an animal abuser, to being all the, you know, all this. And it's, and none of it's true. It's just, but it's just because even people within the industry who you think are smart enough to understand that usually, usually when we behave on stage, um, sometimes it's a character, but sometimes it's also an extension of who we really are off stage. Like for me performing on stage, getting rid of a character, you know, I didn't want to be a character. I didn't want to be a, a theme act. I didn't want to be any of that. I just wanted to be me because that me being on stage is also a, a bit of a therapy for me. It, it's it, I'm releasing pent up things and channeling that into my performances to, you know, let me release that, you know, otherwise I, I, I don't even, maybe I would be on heroin. Who knows? You know, but, <laughs> but like that, you know, it's something being, being in entertainment, you'd think most people would have the, the, the smarts to stop and think for a second and you know maybe give a person the benefit of the doubt but yeah I, but so i mean anyway so where i was going was you know i to it, it's it's both sides of the coin you know to in many ways it it has helped me but in in several ways as well like i said i know i've lost gig fallen victim to rumors and bullshit and this and that so it's you know if it's uh, if it's something like that that uh, like that i'm doing that might not be necessarily as commercial uh, in the grand scheme of things, um, you, you know, you can't, you can't complain, you know, you can't sit and go like, well, nobody's going to hire me, Meh. you know, like, well, dude, you signed up for it, you know, look at yourself or, you know, look at what you're doing or whatever, you know, um, and, but the, there's very few that are kind of within the same, I guess, look genre and, and, and are, and, and, and actually are, are real people within that world. You know, uh, like you guys probably know D. Christopher. You know, talking about yeah. mentalism and stuff. Yeah. D. That's not a. That's not a character. Like that's D. Offstage too. You know, that's he lives. That's how he lives. This is how I live. You know, so it's just, it's easier for us to be on stage like that. So we know what it's like. So you know, we've we've probably all been to the grocery store and you know heard people say stuff. I remember being on an airplane and a little girl thought I was a girl, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just stuff that happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, would you, would you, coming from that perspective, would you argue that it's kind of better to find that, that sort of niche, if you like, because I know that obviously you're, you've got a huge following over in, in America, obviously where you're based at the minute, but you come over to Germany as well. And you came over to the UK for a London show a few years ago, yeah. which were, well, was insane by the way um oh yeah you were there at the o2 shepherd's bush yeah yeah, yeah. Ah. it was oh it was honestly fantastic it was thanks man it was it was such a standout show compared to so many others um and I, I'm, I'm still to this day thinking about whether that's because you took this that you you were yourself and you took this the whole sort of genre if you like you that's the route you are and there's not a lot else there or whether it, it was just like because you're a standout performer. I'm still in two minds, <laughs> but both apply. I, mean, I both don't know. Definitely apply. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, it was like a big, uh, a quote unquote illusion show. And I don't know. Uh, Cause I was actually, I remember thinking about it when we were there um, thinking like, well, wait a minute, the UK doesn't really have an illusionist, you know, a, a, a full big stage performer like that, that they can claim as their own. You know, you guys have Darren Brown, you have Dynamo, you know, you had, um, gosh, shit. I'm only remembering Debbie McGee. Who the hell was that Paul old Daniels. guy? Who? Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, you guys, Paul Daniels, you know, so obviously a different thing, you know, uh, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You really haven't had your, 
Lance, you haven't really had your Copperfield or your Siegfried and Roy or, yeah, or anything like that, at least within the past 20 years, you know? So I didn't know if maybe because of that, having a big show, you know, in, in that style, not even in that style, but it just even in that genre of a big show, a big illusion show there, it might've just also been because it's, it's not common uh, over uh, in, in the UK, you know? Good bet. I don't know. Who knows? That's brilliant. It was something you mentioned um, a, a moment ago about inspiration and finding inspiration. And I wanted to ask, has it been like something which you viewed in like performance or magic, which has kind of like really inspired you to change the route you're going or like inspired you to try new things? In magic, not really. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think, but, but, but no. And if it was not, I mean, at least not directly. You know, like like Copperfield was the first real big magician that I saw, um, and really the first magician I ever remember seeing. Like like I know I've seen magicians at at school growing up, or probably at a birthday party or a library or something. I know I'd seen them, you know, or at least a clown doing magic tricks too. I know I had to have, but I really didn't see a, like a, a a theatrical magic experience show until i saw copperfield and that's what really uh opened my eyes you know like uh like uh, that's what made i didn't know that magic could be like that you know because i hadn't seen it i hadn't i hadn't even seen any of his tv specials you know at that time so seeing that and especially seeing it live you know full very theatrical you know with lights and the music and the fog and all of it, you know, and, and and a narrative in a lot of what he was doing too. There's a story kind of behind it, very dramatic. Uh, so, so did that inspire me to to do this in like you were asking in a certain way? Maybe inadvertently, uh, because Copperfield was an inspiration, you know. So maybe that was sort of a, a subconscious inspiration to see, like, all right, so Copperfield took. You know, he even took things that Doug Henning did first, you know, elevator. Doug did it first. Copperfield just did it his way. And 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 with all respect to Doug Henning, but I think Copperfield did it better, you know, and because he just took it in a different direction and then elevated it to that theatrical, you know, uh, standpoint. You know, really, I mean, there's nothing, I don't think there is anything more iconic, at least in, in 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 magic that I've seen in a public show, then Copperfield's elevator opening still to this day. I like you you know I mean you can have I mean I've never seen Dynamo live, but I saw Blaine live. You know, let's say for example, they just walk out, they just raw dog it, they just kind of walk out on stage to a thunderous applause in response. You know, when I saw Blaine here, there were people before the show started chanting, you know, David Blaine. David Blake, like as if, you know, like Rufio, Rufio, you know, or whatever. But like, and that was, that was impressive. But I'm telling you, I've seen it several times live. I've never seen an audience and I'm, and, and I don't want to hear the bullshit that Copperfield pumps, you know, fake applause into the, into the theater and puts plants in the theater. Like, yeah, we get it. He does it, but you know what? So do a lot of other people, but this is real. Like hearing, because I saw it when that, when that silhouette starts coming down, it's like an oh shit moment. Like, you know that silhouette, you know who it is. And it's like, here he comes. It's like he's getting beamed back down from the spaceship or something, you know? And and nobody's been able to, to duplicate that and nobody ever will. Like that elevator, Copperfield took it. I've never seen anything like that, still haven't. And again, probably never will because he was such an iconic celebrity and in a lot of ways still is, but just that silhouette Man, you, you can't you can't top it, man. Best one of the best openings I've ever seen of a of a show. You know, I mean, you say that <laughs> the the opening to the show that you did in London, um, that being the uh, your quite simply appearance. Yeah, well, yeah, it was the Strange Magic tour that I, I told yeah yeah, that, yeah. which a uh, great title as well. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what? How much time do you? sort of spend when you're creating new stuff and or maybe looking at new um material if you like how much time do you sort of spend thinking about the 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 effects or the the actual presentation or the the actual script or 
I mean, I don't know, man. That that honestly, that just that varies. It's there's really not one straight answer. You know, uh, sometimes it happens really fast. Sometimes like everything just falls into place. It clicks, and there you go. You know, uh, other times, and most of the time, it starts almost very basic and 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 low budget or something, for lack of a better term. You know, just to make sure whatever everything in the routine works together you know and to make sure that everything uh, sort of jives together and then all right now we got that figured out now let's start amplifying it let's start ramping it up you know what i mean and usually that comes in like the production rehearsals and stuff like that that's when you know the lighting and any other elements that we want to add you know comes into play but for the most part, I've always been, you know, I'm not really a notebook guy. I've kind of gotten into like the notebook thing that I'm uh, a little bit older now, but I've all, but I still, it's all still uh, conscious. Like I don't draw the pictures in a notebook. I don't write it out in the notebook. I, I see it more up here, you know, in my head. I know how I want it to be like, like, I mean, just a shit example. Uh, but if you guys want to see it, you can download it or buy the DVD of my strange magic tour at danceberrystore.com. And, um, but like the opening, like you said, I, I always wanted uh, almost, almost from day one, I never wanted a main curtain. I wanted the stage to be raw as people come in. So it's just empty with just the one platform center, you know? And, uh, and so then it, you know, and with the countdown and everything, that's, that's what I, I, I wanted was just a, a bare, you know, or, I mean, there's, there were, uh, you know, scene pieces and the backdrop and the lights and everything going on stage. For the pre-show as people are walking in and then the countdown to the actual show and then me appearing but i didn't i didn't want a, a, a curtain i just knew like in my head i saw it in my head this is how i wanted it to look and 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 it wasn't even because i hadn't seen anybody really do that it was more just like this is i, I wanted it to almost be like uh i don't want to say naked but like open just open like look this is there's nothing behind the curtain because there is no fucking curtain, you know, like we're just we're just doing this, you know, we're you know coming out of the gate and, and going hot and heavy, you know. Now, I remember when you um came to Blackpool, obviously, when you performed at Blackpool, there wasn't that curtain in front of you. But right. still what you what you done, it was just like so pumped and me and Aiden were stood at the top of like the balcony because it was like packed out in there. Oh, and yeah, yeah, that's right. Was there was that. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just mental. And you can just tell, like, all the production value that goes into it. And what we've been saying throughout this podcast is, like, the tricks don't matter throughout e each episode. It's all about the other stuff. And, like, the production value was just, like, incredible. Like, even just taking it to that to the stage where you were at Blackpool, it's still just, like, we were literally still at the back just, like, it was brilliant. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. That's cool. So you got any tips on um, how people can get into learning better, like, things to do with all the production value stuff like where they can go for like lighting or even just learning materials in regards to that yeah i mean i think you know it comes down to too i guess like what um what's what's it what's anybody's market you know you got to look at your market and, and 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 who you're playing to and then look at you know you, you, well uh, yes to a certain degree i'll agree with you the tricks don't necessarily matter but but the show has to be good the tricks still have to be good at the end of the day, you're a magician or a mentalist or, you know, whatever, but your product at the core has to be good. You know, there's, as you guys have probably seen it too, there's a lot of magicians and performers that hide behind production value. And, and it doesn't matter how fancy of a production it is, but if the audience doesn't care, then it's all for nothing. So once you, once you have confidence and I'm not saying like arrogance in knowing that your show's good or that you know your product's good, but not arrogance, but the confidence in knowing like, okay, it's in a good place for now because an artist's work is never finished, but at least it's in a good place right now. Now I can take a bit and start looking outside that circle, like the, you know, the rings of Saturn, like start looking out for, you know, further and further. All right. Uh, now maybe start, you add more music or something you want to add music so you want to get like a like a cue command or something like that where you know so you or, a, or an audio ape or whatever so you can have 
these moments of, of adding just that little bit extra, you know, a good sound system, a good microphone, that sort of stuff. Then maybe a backdrop that you can travel with, you know, roll up banners are fine, but are you at a trade show or are you at a show show, you know? So having, you know, a backdrop of some kind, even if it's just blue curtain, something to make it, you know, next level, you know, what's, what could be the next level of, of what, whatever it is you're doing within that market, I guess, you know, like I used to do a lot of kid shows. I didn't care if I was, you know, doing a kid show in a trailer park home. I still brought, you know, a backdrop. I still, you know, brought my, my sound system, even though I didn't need it, it was overkill. You know, you just turn the volume down, but bookending the backdrop with the speakers on the stands, it just, you know, bring it, keep bringing it up next level, you know, a little bit by bit by bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's what's something interesting about the, that I saw from your perspective is that you, to, for the most part, in in your Strange Magic tour, you you actually took the opportunity to have the remote like on your on your person to control your own music cues. If I'm right in thinking, yeah, I was doing yeah. all the all the uh, basically all the lighting. No, sorry, all, all the audio and uh, video and live camera. I I control throughout the show. And then I have uh, a guy front of house that's doing all the real lights, you know, at least in that aspect. And in other shows, I'm controlling everything, including the lights via the remote. But in that case, uh, like in London, we had my buddy Jake uh, Rover at the uh, front of house at the board, you know, uh, take care of all that. Is there is there a reason that you try and keep or have kept it on your on yourself rather than giving it to somebody else surely that just seems like a an extra step or an extra thing to think about whilst you're uh i'm actually... used to it it's uh it's really not for me uh and and because there's uh i don't remember much honestly about the uk show is pretty uh is pretty uh pretty pretty straightforward you know but there's there's moments where that that come and happen unexpectedly you know uh, interacting with the audience whether in the middle of a bit or something like that and i like to be able to you know pause and have those, you know, like when you watch a, a movie or a TV show or whatever, and there's those moments where it's, I don't, I don't feel that I have a, a fourth wall ever between me and the audience, but if there was one, that would be when the fourth wall is broken, where I can actually pause and look at the audience or pause and address someone specifically about something. And then, you know, blah, 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 we have our little whatever, boom, and carry on, you know, and and I, I like to be able to capitalize on that stuff, and and that's why at least for the audio, and things like that, I like to be able to to have that ability, to to play off of that instead of you know if there's you know some music playing in the background or if the person on stage is being a bit of a pain in the ass, you know and and throughout the interaction I can you know you know almost have the record go you know and then address it as need be you know it's quite handy i guess because i was um i was watching some of your videos the other day and um i came across the one of the with the paper bags and the lady who was just like really weird but the way yeah, she's like on drugs yeah oh, it's bizarre but like you just handled it so well and i guess having the ability to control all your stuff just makes it easier so you guys up doing it, usually who would do it don't have to have to panic i guess yeah what is it like going on tour and traveling around and all of that uh, I love it. I, I, I love it. And I prefer it. Um, like I'm just, I'm addicted to the road. You know, I like going and seeing new cities, meeting interesting, weird locals, you know, and stuff like that. I, I, I like that. Uh, I don't really go to the touristy parts, you know, like when, when I've been on tour, I always ask like the local crew guys, like, Hey, where, where's the spot where all the local people go? Like, where's the weirdest, you know, coolest, like, you know, uh, you know, bar where, the floor is going to be sticky. They're going to serve me in a plastic cup. Uh, they're going to mark my hand with a Sharpie when I get in there. You know, the, 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 there might be a, a, a door guy that looks like he's out on prison work release or something. Like, that's like, send me to the dirtiest, weirdest, ickiest, you know, whatever place. You're like, oh, there's a, you know, a, a whatever, a, a, a monument over there, a meteor landed here 200 years ago, and there's a, a, a hole in the ground now, and they've turned it into a park or whatever, you know, Machu Picchu, nah, forget it. I don't care. I'm going to go over here and hang out with these people, you know. 
That's what I like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I does. Yeah, I ask because it's one of those, one of those situations at the minute. I think that's the direction that I want to take myself. And I know me and Ashley, we've actually written a a show together um, that we're hoping to to take on the road. So with that, so how did how did you go about starting in terms of the tour stuff? Did you work with any? body in particular or was it a case that you just booked a load of shows and hope for the best yeah, i don't know you know that's a like i've worked with a lot of people that have, you know help you know as far as like you know different bookers or promoters and agents and stuff like that um but i don't really remember how it came about you know uh it just i mean it it started in a, in a small scale you know like clubs and not when i say clubs i mean like nightclubs you know yeah. bars and nightclubs and then music venues and then you know it just sort of it, it grew over years and years and years um things that I, i've done on tv uh have helped you know that's that's helped uh earlier on especially helped sort of le legitimize my reach perhaps uh, for lack of a better way of phrasing it but um yeah i don't there what there's not really one way of saying it i mean when i started out too i was a guest on other tours you know as well so i was watching and observing the behind the scenes stuff you know as well like like i would instead of sleeping on the bus till you know when my time was to go into the theater i would watch the load in you know and see how that worked and and asking questions you know and and i watched and helped with the loadouts you know instead of just packing my stuff and getting back on the bus I, I'd stay and watch, you know, when I was when I was starting out, I would I would sit and watch them and see how how the crew works together. How does how do you pack a truck? You know, I, I took advantage of every opportunity like that to, to try and soak up as much as I could, much knowledge, you know. And then later, when I started branching out into doing my own thing, I was able to look back at that. And 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 I think that helped me. I mean, of course, still learning and still made mistakes we will never stop making mistakes but i was able to avoid some mistakes that i could have potentially made because i was observing and and like i said just trying to soak up that knowledge uh from before have you got any um highlights from obviously going around from obviously the early days to now is there like a defining moment that really stands out for you no nothing really I mean, I hate to say that because it's probably, you know, because because like people ask like, oh, my God, Broadway with the Illusionist, how was that? And it was like, I mean, I don't know. It was never really my goal to play Broadway. So doesn't, I don't know, doesn't bother me. I don't care either way, you know, like stuff like that. Like, so I don't, not to sound like ungrateful or whatever, because it's not about being ungrateful. It's just, I wasn't, that what that's not a thing that I cared to do or had on a bucket list or something you know and uh and so i mean i don't know it's a thing that happened you know um so i'm trying to think of, of anything else you know okay probably uh one of the one of the coolest things was when i was uh starting to get momentum you know years ago and and getting asked to come to las vegas and fill in for Joseph Gabriel in the world's greatest magic show. So he was the bird act and they had had some other bird acts and it just wasn't, wasn't working out. You know, they were trying to find what's a good bird act as a, as a fill in for Joseph when he would take time off or if he rotate into the illusion spots or something. And, and so Joseph was the guy that I saw that made me want to do birds and learn about, you know, dove acts and things like that uh, as an inspiration. And so, um, so being able to perform in Las Vegas on a real Las Vegas stage, I'm not talking about, you know, the guys that say I performed in Las Vegas, uh, cause I did a, a, a trick for the TSA guy or, uh, or the, you know, the, the person in the lobby of the hotel or, or even, you know, I did a trade show in Vegas, but did, really? So did you really perform in Vegas? You know, like. I get a little, uh, I get a little protective of, of how people sometimes just loosey goosey use these, you know, phrases. Um, but, but to be on a real Las Vegas stage in a real show, seven nights a week, doing my bird act, guarding the throne for Joseph, 
was was probably one of the one of the uh, coolest things uh, ever. Um, when I was when I was seventeen, getting asked by Dale Heineman, who was president of the AMA at the time, um, I had done uh, a convention that I that I was asked to come and perform at, and he was the stage manager of it. And when my act was over, he said, "You know, hey, uh, would you ever want to work at the Magic Castle?" And I said, "Well, I can't. You know, I'm seventeen." Um, uh, but someday, and he was like, no, no, that matters. I'm the president, you know, you want, you want to come and do a week? And I was like, yep, sure. <laughs> you know, like that was like a holy shit, you know, kind of moment, you know, big deal for, for me. So those are like two that I can think of, you know, that were, that were cool, uh, in moments, you know, I guess you could say, um, we were on tour, we were down in, uh, in, uh, in the South here, there was, a. And this is this is my go a certain way that again this is how rumors get started, but um, I got to see Werner von Braun's house, who is a guy that I've studied. He was there was a whole thing called, well, whatever Project Paperclip. It's where the U.S. It's like basically U.S. and Russia at the end of World War II shared shared Nazis, <laughs> and it just it's totally fucked up. But we did it, you know. And uh, and he was one that we got. He created the V two rocket. He was responsible for getting us to the moon, supposedly, um, you know, and other stuff. And he was. He had a lot of crazy intel and uh, and things that that to, to, that to this day we're still using that he's created and and so I I got to see his house you know some other random family works there but I had one of the local runners you know I said I got to go to Walmart I need tape you know but really I was like yo let's go to Bruno von Braun's house here's the address <laughs> you know I just want to see it you know like there cool moments like that have been fun um, but yeah nothing uh, but nothing really. Like a, like a, like super huge, I guess. I take like I don't want it. This isn't arrogance. I'm just. Uh, I, it takes a lot. I don't really get starstruck, and it kind of just takes a lot for me to get excited about anything. So, you know, doesn't oh, mean I'm not grateful for everything that I've had. I'm very grateful and appreciative for all that I've had uh, happen and that's been offered and and etc. But take uh, takes takes a lot to get me excited. You know, usually too busy watching hockey or something in my dressing room. I, mean, I suppose that works. Uh, you, you mentioned that obviously you're looking at these things and they weren't the, 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 the big goals, they weren't the big dreams or the big aims for you. Like what, what is the big dream or the big goal for you? Is there something that you're, you're working towards or is it just still like doing what you're doing? Uh, no, still uh, just, just to be able to, to perform and, and keep a roof over my head and gas in the tank and, and uh, you know a comfortable level of living is so I can go to Disneyland or Disney World whenever I want. That's basically all I need. So yeah, that's it. I don't. I've kind of accepted the fact that I I probably won't ever get a TV special or series, and that's fine. I don't don't need it. You know, as long as I can keep working and people like what I'm doing, and uh, and and we can have a good time doing it, that's plenty for me. Uh, we'll we'll start the. Dansbury TV show petition somewhere. Okay. And, and, and can't wait to see that. what network picks that up. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything while you're, while you're here? I mean, is unless there's anything that you want to, to sort of plug or, or share what you're up to at the minute, where can people find you? And if there's, uh, yeah, if, I mean, really just dansbury.com, you know, just go to my website that uh, portals uh, out to all the, you know, social media stuff and the, the store. That's really still, you know, the main, the main thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say go to, go to my Facebook because there's, there's too much icky stuff. I, I don't even want people to go through the trouble of having to log on to their Facebook to get to mine because there's too much icky stuff on there. So just go to the website, watch some videos, you know, eat some popcorn, have a good time. That's about it, I guess. I um, I wanted to ask one more thing, a sure. little um, interesting one. Obviously, you mentioned mentalism. And I want to ask, if you had to, because there's a lot of bad mentalism. In fact, um, the other day, myself and Aiden recorded something called the bad, the um, the bad mentalism, the boring mentalism lecture. I forgot Can't the name of the Because yeah. there's so many boring mentalists out there at the moment, which it's like a drain for us who enjoy it as well. Like watching it, it's like, oh. If you had to change one thing in mentalism, just one thing, what would it be? Just to make it more interesting. Uh, man, what would it be? Um, <laughs> I think, I, I, I think, 
See, here, here's what here's what I've struggled with about mentalism. I've I've done mentalism and I do mentalism, but I'm not a mentalist, you know. So like I I like how um, I especially like uh, Philip Escoffi. I was able to work with him in that Triangle show for uh, several years. We got to know each other really well, and I you know his his approach is similar. To, to Darren's uh, style, but I like that Philip is able to, and I think, so th let me say, this is what I like about a whole mentalism show. So it doesn't sound like I'm just shitting on mentalism all the time. <laughs> um, uh, that he's, he's able to keep it very intellectual and engaging and, and almost have a message, whether you're consciously aware of it or not, he has a really great ability to put these life lessons or these messages that in, into his performance, you know, uh, these like metaphors and Easter eggs, you know, that I think are, are it's really great and, and very smart. I think he's, I think he's, uh, I, I think he's right up there with Darren Brown. You know, I think he's, he's obviously Phil is doing other stuff too. That he's talented at but i think i think a lot of any mentalist should watch what what phil has done and what he's doing because some of the stuff i've seen it's it's amazing it's great uh what i don't like about mentalism though is uh when when mentalists try to make it almost too much comedy you know they they make it more i've seen mentalists try to be funny and they're not, you know, or like try to be, and this could be said about magic as well, but I think the thing that separates a magician performing and utilizing some mentalism and, and, and being able to work in comedy into it because it's not a mentalist. I was actually talking with a buddy of mine sort of about this last night because I, we know a friend that's a mentalist and he doesn't really do much comedy. Of course, he'll, he'll have some laughs and stuff in it, but trying to perpetually because i've seen this in several mentalists that are especially they're getting more prominent now too perpetually trying almost like they need the audience to like them so bad because they're insecure that they're a mentalist you know like you can mentalism is such a weird offshoot of magic that even you can say it, it's it's mentalism it's entertainment like audience people in the audience are still going to say like no i know that but seriously i know you have this power you know like i don't have that happy people are going to watch me do the bird act and then be like you know listen i really need to talk to you um my grandmother and baby you know like they're not gonna fucking talk to me about that but like i've seen it with 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 mentalists and stuff and and i'm not saying they should tap into that and take advantage of you know of, of people like don't don't you know don't get randy on your ass but like uh but like these guys, like, okay, like Keith Berry, I think has found a really good balance because I, I saw Keith Berry's show when he was here in Vegas and, and it was a, it was a good balance. It was the, the dramatic impact of the mentalism. He had it perfect. He was able to be funny and engaging, but he wasn't overdoing it. You know, he, it wasn't like he needed the attention. He needs the love. Because, like I was saying, it almost seems like many, so many mentalists are so insecure, and they probably are insecure in real life, but also even more insecure about being a, a mentalist, you know, or something. It just seems like they're insecure, and and they need to be like so. They need to be cracking jokes and blah 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 blah, you know. And and here's my prediction, and now go ahead and open it, you know. And right, and and I've seen them kill that moment, like they're, you know, the person might be nervous and having trouble opening the envelope, and you know, and then they try to say something funny or whatever and they just fuck it all up because they they can't they can't just shut the fuck up and let let the impact happen you know or something like they 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 fuck themselves by doing that sorry if you're gonna have to bleep this shit out but you know That's it's your fun. podcast not mine <laughs> so i don't give a fuck but like so like you know um but you know like 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 they they interrupt it's like they can't just shut up and let that happen and let be comfortable in the be comfortable in the silence or in those dramatic moments or you know that sort of thing I, I went off on another tangent. I don't know. I've had a lot of coffee. I didn't sleep much last night. Whatever. Yeah, I think you get what I'm saying.
No, definitely, definitely. It's one. Of, it's really interesting to hear, like your like a, a magician's perspective on mentalism, because that, like as you said earlier, there is a divide. There's a there's a huge divide. Like mentalists see magicians in one way, magicians see mentalists in another, potentially more negative way, and it's just something we're trying to fix in a, a long winded approach. But sure, no, I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, but no, you know, there you go. Now we're getting there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much for obviously coming on it. It genuinely means a lot. Like, we um we have a, uh, yeah, without saying too much, obviously, we've got a few things planned with the Successful Mentalist, and um, being able to interview you is just absolutely incredible. So it, it means a lot. And, sure, yeah, um, thanks we'll thanks for having well. me. Hopefully I didn't uh, offend too many, but... No, <laughs> great, we're leaving it all in. I'm the editor, so I just... All right, it. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Sorted, yeah. Not my no, monkey, brilliant. not my circus. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.